0: But someone once said, I always wanted to be somebody. But I guess I should have been a little more specific. I'll let that kind of rest with you. Some of you had some humor in that. Everybody wants to be remembered in some way. I mean, don't you want someone to say something nice about you at your funeral, right? Uh, They say that when you're born you're crying and everybody around you is smiling. So live your life in such a way that when you go out, you have a smile on your face and everybody else around you is crying. Now, I doubt I'll be memorialized with a statue, but I hope that when I'm gone, my life won't be summarized simply by the little dash, the little hyphen between the day I was born and the day I died. I mean, I hope there's something a little more to be said and there are all kinds of memorials spoken written maybe carved in stone maybe a friend who's been part of your life will stand up and give you some eulogy but lessons learned that might be carried forward in the lives of others I think that's kind of what we hope will live on now those memories can help the next generation avoid our mistakes right The mistakes of others, perhaps guide in making new memories, even mark the celebration of old memories. And here in Joshua chapter 4, there are stones erected to remind them of how they had wandered in the wilderness and what God had done for them on this day, as was promised in chapter 3, as they now go forward in a way they have never been before, And help them from ever repeating the old mistakes or ever retreating to their old ways of having wandered in the wilderness. Chapter 3, verse 14, ends with a promise. You may remember that phrase, and it shall come to pass. And we turn to chapter 4 now with those beautiful words, and it came to pass. When all the people were clean passed over the Jordan." that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. And Joshua called the twelve men, "...whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. Take up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes as he had appointed of the children of Israel." The Lord's provision is to be memorialized. So they're now instructed to gather a rock from the riverbed... A living memorial, verse 6, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What do you mean by these stones? Then you will answer them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off from before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of Israel and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged and laid them down there. This memorial was to be a sign among them. Now literally that means a banner for display. You've seen banners on display at various things and that's to draw your attention that's what these stones were to do it was a memorial to the reputation of the lord that first struck terror in the heart of the residents of jericho back in chapter 2 it was a memorial to the reputation of the lord that passed before them there into the riverbed chapter 3 and it's going to be a memorial of reputation of the lord on display In the families of Israel, chapter 4, there, verse 6. This memorial was to be part of their conversation, part of their testimony, part of their everyday life. Verse 7, a memorial forever. And it's important that these stories go with them, verse 8, into the place where they would lodge. Drop down to verse 19 we'll read to the end of the chapter and the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho and those 12 stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal and he spake unto the children of Israel saying when your fathers shall ask their fathers in time to come saying what do these stones mean then you shall let your children know saying Israel came over the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God, and that forever. When the children would ask, they would point to the stones and tell the story. When their descendants would ask, they would point to the stones. They would tell the story. When they doubted themselves, they would remember what God had done. When all the people of the earth would ask, they would point to the stones and tell the story. And here we are now today, somewhat 6,000, at least 4,000 years later. And we're still talking about what the Lord God did for Israel in that day. His banner over me is a living memorial to the goodness of God in the circumstances of my life. Tell it to your friends, to your children, to your neighbors. It's a lasting memorial. Back up in verse 9. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood. And it says, in the midst of the river, underwater I suppose... They're still there unto this day. These are apparently 12 additional stones, likely larger stones, not the burden of one man as they were instructed to carry it out of the water, but there to remain against the current. And the phrase they are there unto this day is from one Hebrew word meaning it's a marker in time, a marker in time. And I cannot overemphasize being able to mark. In time, the Lord's dealings with you and your family, to be able to make it part of your testimony. The memorial that Joshua established was a reference point in the history of God's dealing with his people. These lasting memorials are a great encouragement to future generations of their faithfulness. The fact that God had helped me there, and with greater confidence, I can tell you that God will help me here We need these kinds of reference points as reminders. In time of trouble, God helped me. I know he can help you. When I'm facing it again, I know that God has helped me. I'm confident he will help me again. As crossing the Jordan represents our salvation, this is the point of Peter's challenge in 2 Peter in chapter one, when he said, make your calling and election sure for if you do these things, you will never fall. Now, some people will say, well, preacher, I just, I just grew up in church always believing. Now, I will say to you, that will give you a great advantage for understanding the gospel, that you grew up in church and you just always had an understanding. But at the same time, can you somehow memorialize the event, the conversation, the time, the place, something about when you came to realize that for you Christ died and that you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Not just always grew up believing, but that at some point I believed. Being able to point to the time and place, of course, it doesn't save you. But in times of doubt, in times of struggle, in times of questions of life, To be able to go back and point to the scriptures. To remember the conversation you had. To remember the prayer that you prayed. To remember the person that might have led you to the Lord. Can your testimony in some way memorialize what God has brought you through? In your salvation and then in daily life and the circumstances you faced. And may I just say that whether it's in the beginning God created or as we've talked about with the Pregnancy Center, that life begins at conception, the beginning of our nation, these reference points of history are being systematically removed from our conversation, totally missing from the conversation of young people's lives. Whether it's your teenager or some college student, the reason everything, you hear this term all the time, The reason everything seems so existential, right, is because they simply have no reference points to history. And in the Christian life, young people have no reference to the history of what God has done. They grow up without Sunday school. They grow up without those beautiful lessons being taught about God's dealings in the past, building confidence of how God can deal with them in the present. If you don't know who's hung the stars in space, then for you, the sky is always falling because you think it's all out of control. The stories of the past, they may be good or bad, but they help guide us in decisions today. By the way, if you removed all the bad examples out of scripture, if you removed all the failures of men and women out of the scriptures, you would not have much left to talk about. The lessons of life, good and bad, are there for us to not repeat the same mistakes, to build the confidence going forward, to help us in making decisions in the coming days. You may be the only Christian some people will ever meet. What lasting impression do you leave on the people? you meet. For what will you be remembered? Will I be missed by those I love, or have I been unkind? Have I been true to God above? What will I leave behind? Recognizing the Lord's provision in your life is a great place to start, but then to go on and realize that God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for your life. That's perhaps The greatest lesson, discovery of all. For I know, Jeremiah 29, you know this. For I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of peace. Not evil to give you an expected end. To know that God can give beauty for ashes. He can bring joy for mourning. Praise to the spirit of heaviness. And why? So that we might be called trees of righteousness the planting of God, and that he, God, might be glorified. To witness God working all things together in my life for good and to know that it is for a greater purpose and his glory. And then to understand that purpose of all God does in my life is that others may see our good works, but more than what I have done, it's his good works in my life and that he might be glorified. The Lord's purpose is magnified through people. Verse 10, the priests which bear the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people. So all the things that were to be done are now complete. According to all that Moses commanded, Joshua and the people hasted over and passed over. And it came to pass when all the people were clean, passed over. That the ark of the Lord passed over, and the priests, and the presence of the people, and the children of Reuben, and the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh passed over, armed. You may remember they were told, if you'll fight for us, you can have your land on the other side. And so they were there prepared to fight before the children of Israel as Moses had spoken unto them. About 40,000 prepared for war passed over before the Lord unto battle to the plains of Jericho. So the priest stood in the midst of the Jordan, but who held back the water? Right. The people hastened to pass over, but who dried up the riverbed? The priest passed over in the presence of the people, but whose presence did they hold in the Ark of the Covenant? The Lord God. The people prepared for war, but as we will soon see, who accomplished the great victory At Jericho it wasn't men armed with swords and spears it was the Lord God it is the privilege of God's people to magnify him simply through their obedience to step forward to pass through to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord God is not particularly magnified by your clever ideas but by his good intentions. It's not our duty. Now hear me all the way through. But it is not our duty. It's not my big job. It's not what I wake up in the morning thinking about, trying to anticipate what God might do. That's not our big job. But to follow and obey God's commands. Remember way back in the beginning of our study of Joshua. It's on an as-needed basis. This is the whole duty of man. Remember Ecclesiastes 12 13. Fear God, keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. We spend a lot of downtime, a lot of idle time, a lot of worrying time, a lot of frustrated time trying to figure out the unknown. When we should simply hasten to obey, verse 10. To hasten, by the way, means to flow easily in obedience to the Lord's commands. And there in verse 10, to finish. It means to complete, obviously. But I like this part of it. It means to come to rest. To find your rest. A place of fulfillment. Like the sense, you'll hear the phrase, a job. Well done. That's what it means to finish. And isn't that what any of us would want to be said as a memorial when it comes to our end? I have fought a good fight, 2 Timothy 4. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord himself will give to all those who love his appearing, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. To find this place of rest, a place of fulfillment, I must live in obedience to the Lord's commands. Whatever Jesus would say, and in eager anticipation of his soon return, In 1 John chapter 3, John said, And every man that has this hope, what hope is that? That the Lord will return, and he'll bring his reward with him. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. But to hasten toward this completion is not rushing through, as if you're afraid the waters that are held back on either side might come crashing down on you. It is pressing on. It is faithful obedience. It is the marathon, not a sprint. It's the long view, not the short. So I press toward the mark, Philippians 3, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. To hasten is to obey straight away, to obey without delay, Without hindrance, without saying, well, you know what? I know what the Lord says, but i got to go take care of this first. No, it's what the Lord says, and I simply step forward in obedience. Unlike 40 years ago when the people needed some convincing and they just wouldn't go. To act with excited eagerness now toward an expected end, lest you might miss out on the opportunity Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Jeremiah 29. Seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. When God parts the water and makes the way, I respond without doubting. Because I know he'll hold back the water until I'm passed clean over. It's the responsibility of God's people to obey. It's my immediate obedience that magnifies the Lord. Now, you may remember this chorus, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. See, you do know that one, but to trust and obey. But I, I give you another kid's song, right? I, I trip you up on these. Do you know this one? My, my, I know my wife knows it. She's played it for me many times. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it faithfully, action is the key. Do it immediately, joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Well, finally, God's purpose is magnified specifically through this prophet, verse 14. And on that day, the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel and they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests that bear the ark of the testimony that they would come up out of the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come you up out of the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned unto their place As it was before, flowing, overflowing the banks as it had. Remember, it was in the time of harvest. Now, here's an axiom for you to live by. It pleases God to honor those who honor him. It pleases God to honor those who honor him. Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servants, Psalm 35. When Joshua is magnified, though, it's a direct reflection on who? The one he honored, right? On God. And the word magnify there in verse 14 suggests a growing up, a coming of age. It suggests a process of life whereby my view of the Lord is increased and my view of self is decreased. Remember what John the Baptist said, at the coming of the Lord. He must increase. I must decrease. You don't know that when you're young. You don't know that until you've gone through some trials of life. And although Joshua and Caleb were the two spies who originally said, remember that? Let's go in. Ten were bad and two were good. Remember that? And they were eager and they were excited and they were young and they wanted to go and they couldn't understand why nobody else would believe them. But now after 40 years of experience in the desert, after 40 years of learning to wait upon the Lord, after 40 years of walking by faith, Joshua has no doubt. And what he said 40 years ago is now internalized and people can hear it in his voice. Joshua had learned to speak the truth with an authority that was not his own that he didn't have when he was young that did not inspire anyone to follow him 40 years ago it was true but nobody followed it was the presence of the authority of God perceived in what Joshua now said that magnified him and his leadership on this day someone has said study prepares you for the test Life prepares you for the exam. And the truth I preach today is the same truth I preached when I first graduated from Bible college 40 years ago. That's a long time. It's the same truth. My message hasn't changed, but I can tell you I say it with greater eagerness, greater authority. Sometimes greater empathy, greater compassion, greater confidence. My friend, there is simply no substitute for time spent with God. Having a title of pastor doesn't mean anything to you, right? Well, maybe it does, just as a formality. But unless you perceive that your pastor has spent time with God, that he's been in the trenches where I've been, He suffered some things along the way, like I have suffered. And that's why your voice tomorrow will be exactly what they need to hear. Because you've been there with them. You know what they're going through. It's that kind of testimony. It's that kind of voice that speaks with an authority that is not his own, my own. It's the Lord. By the way, no matter what position in life you hold, no one arrives with respect that has to be earned and for the believer being able to tell what the lord has done for you that's your testimony that's your credibility this perceived authority and respect is why the priest stayed in the midst of the of the riverbed until Joshua spoke they respected his word and this is why Joshua didn't speak again until he had clear commands from the Lord as to what we should do. Now think about how simple this moment is, and yet what most of us would have done. First of all, after God parts the water, I mean, it's pretty exciting, right? And now we've got to get how many tens of thousands of people across this dry riverbed. And we'd be saying things like, let's go, let's go. Hurry on, grab the kids, right? Make sure everybody gets across. And we'd be, we'd be anxious about it until everybody got clean over the Jordan. And then we'd be anxiously looking for the end of the line. And when we saw the end of the line, what would we do? I'd have got right in line with the rest of them and get myself up out of there. And then the waters would have collapsed just as was promised. But then there'd be no stones of remembrance. There'd be no testimony. We wouldn't even have a t-shirt to say, I've been there, done that, and i got to tell you about it. We'd have nothing to memorialize this great moment in the history of our life, of our nation. The Lord is further magnified as they waited. Don't try to anticipate what God wants so much as you, you get in a hurry to get it done, to get on with it. Probably my greatest mistakes in life have probably had that phrase as part of it. Let's let's get on with it. Like you feel like you just know what you ought to do. Let's just get on with it. Don't be so quick to draw a conclusion. Moses said and Joshua said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. David said, be still, know, and wait Jesus said, peace, be still. By the way, that's when the disciples, remember Jesus had performed a lot of miracles, right? The wedding, the lame, the sick, the blind. But when Jesus said, peace, be still, and the wind and the waves obeyed him, the waters listened to his voice. Now that was something. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life young people in such a hurry hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life hurry assumes that you know too much (laughs) you got it right you're ready to go But upon command, when the last soul of the last priest's feet were lifted up on the dry land, the waters collapsed as if to seal their decision and remove any doubt of ever turning back. Now again, as a symbol of your salvation, the crossing of the Jordan is their way of deliverance. There's no turning back like you're going to go back and get something else. That's why some people don't ever cross into this decision because they've got other things they've got to take care of what about and i'm going to wait for another no lingering part way through as if to reconsider it they now have business to attend to they've been waiting 40 years for this moment and i don't think i'm over spiritualizing it to say that for now the waters of judgment are being held back by the lord I don't think I'm overstating it. But when the last soul, S O U L, of the last person crosses over the Jordan, the waters will collapse and judgment of God will fall. God has parted the waters. He's made his way plain for you to be saved. This is your moment of opportunity. If you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, hasten to obey. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians 6. Jeremiah said it this way, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and you are not saved. Room for Jesus, King of glory. Hasten now, his word obey. Swing your heart's door widely open. Bid him enter while you may.